to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good morning, day 41 of 100 Days of Colin. We're, we're getting through it day by day by day. So hopefully this will be a fast 30-minute show. I'm going to go ahead and invite all the listeners that I can. Boom, boom. Um, hopefully there will be some folks on here today. 11 o'clock hour is pretty good. Good enough for me. Um, so I wanted to open with voter registration. First of all, this is Friday. People are really ready for that weekend to get here. I'm certainly ready for it to get here, um, even though I have a AI show to do tomorrow. Hopefully that will be a pretty good show. There's there's an accumulation of new information that I'm going to be excited to talk about um, in regards to, to AI development and some ethics that are emerging in that space. Good regulatory considerations and then that, that little niggling little paper that I cited earlier this week uh, about the data pollution issue. So I'll, I'll be happy to read that paper so that you don't have to, just so I can try to get an edge on that whole movement. Uh, try to understand. Understand it first. So where are we at? Voter registration. So it's election season, and not everybody is necessarily registered to vote. Um, so I would encourage people to go out and try to register to vote if they're not registered uh, and participate in an election if you are 18 years of age or, or older. I did mine today. I forgot to do it. Um, so I will be registered to vote here in the state of Texas and have the choice to participate in the upcoming um, midterm elections. Um, I'm going to be hedging. I did read an article, local article, that I could use an expired passport, which I have as proof of identity, with an article of mail. And so I may be doing that instead of um, someone trying to compel me in a wedgie type of way to go use my driver's license to vote. I'm kind of touchy about that particular thing because they're trying to integrate government identity with all kinds of things and the driver's license has been most most abused. Um, the driver's license has been tried for all kinds of things to greenlight purchases and to integrate with the market system so that you can or cannot buy based on your ID. You know, getting into the club is one thing to verify your age quickly, but if somebody's scanning it, it's not about that anymore. Um, and it's just it's just been a really visceral thing for me my whole life. So um, not everybody's like that. I'm kind of weird, but I'm a single issue advocate in that way. So I wouldn't I wouldn't try to do anything abnormal, but I want to be able to have more control over identity mandates, you know, due to a series uh, of chain reactions that can happen, 
using identity. So one of the ways that you can do that is try to come up with alternatives or kind of ways to, to use identity less um, if, if it bothers you. If somebody requires you to use a identity article for a transaction, you can try to back out of it. Um, sometimes it's not that big of a deal for people. So let me try to get in here. Let's see. I'm going to share this room with a few people. Send it to. I'm going to invite all the people. Trying to get some interaction in here. Colin's a good place. It's a good app. It's got some good functionality and it has good UX. And they improved their UX wrapper today, so the way that the app looks and operates is going to be different. So there it is. It's going, spooling to try to throw that stuff out there. All right. So let's move on to Web3. Now, Web3 is a really great emerging market space and concept that kind of can kind of move the blocks in and out between this new thing going on with the World Economic Forum the merge to or the jump to try to go to CBDCs which is the central bank digital currencies and then a whole web that's based on crypto decentralization which is really cool so I'm just gonna pull up the the wiki, Wikipedia article and read just a little bit from it and just kinda plumb the lines here to see if anybody's listening Oh, there, hey there's Joshua um, to see if anybody's interested in expanding what they know about Web3. There is a Web3 show here on the network, and I'm eager to check it out. Um, so, specific visions for Web3 differ, but the term has been described by Bloomberg as hazy, but they revolve around the idea of decentralization and often incorporate blockchain technologies such as various cryptocurrencies and NFTs or non-fungible tokens. Bloomberg has described Web3 as an idea that would build financial assets in the form of tokens into the inner workings of almost anything you do online. So the complaint that I can't get paid for what I do online could be remedied in a Web3 environment. A policy brief published by the Bennett Institute for Public Policy at the University of Cambridge defined Web3 as the putative next generation of the web's technical, legal, and payments infrastructure, including blockchain, smart contracts, and cryptocurrencies. According to Liu Zuotao et al. 2021, three fundamental architectural enablers of Web3 were identified as a combination of decentralized or federated platforms, secured interoperability, and verifiable computing through distributed ledger technologies. Some visions are based around the concept of decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs. Decentralized finance, DeFi, is another key concept in it. 
user exchange currency without bank or government involvement, which is great. Um, Self-sovereign identity, which is, that's a concept I'm going to probably explore, allows users to identify themselves without relying on an authentication system such as OAuth, which is an open standard for access delegation commonly used as a way for internet users to grant websites or applications access to their information on other websites. Um, it's, it's used by like Google. And, you know, they, you can log in using other, other websites like Amazon or Google or Facebook, um, which is a trusted party that has to be reached in order to possess or access identity. So tech scholars have argued that Web3 would likely run in tandem with Web 2.0 sites um, and Web 2.0 sites likely adopting Web3 tech in order to keep their services relevant. And so this is supposed to be, Web3 is supposed to be an answer to big tech monopolization, over-centralization within the you know, big four tech space, and a way to improve data security, um, the way it scales, and actually improve privacy. Some people say that it's going to be um, a black hole for personal data, like you don't know where it's going to go. Um, but identity has always been an issue when it comes, because it's really close to privacy and data security. Sometimes people want to know who you are in order to greenlight a transaction. Other times they don't need to know because there's no transaction. <laughs> um, but you don't want to be hassled online. That's the one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to be hassled online. Um, so in the future, maybe there could be a, a Twitter Web 3 where, you know, we could kind of decentralize and move away from a user base that is, you know, mob-oriented or um, punitive. Because the current web is rife with a lot of those types of problems. They're trying to impact people financially, they're trying to take things, take money from them somehow, and since they can't do it directly, they do it through reputational attacks um, and then cutting people off, which is the premise behind the unsanctioned citizen program. So the way the web has been manipulated and used, and it's, it has an emotional toll, so I'm going to read just a few, few dots here from the Convivial Society's latest, and he published something, a blog called Impoverished Emotional Lives. And so I'm just going to read a few bullets from his, his substack. He says, I think, for example, the contrast afforded by elaborate forms of mourning and celebration in traditional cultures forms and rituals that unfold, unfolded across days and weeks, by contrast, my emotional life is channeled into a far more narrowly, far more narrowly by digital media. I neither enjoy the time such customs might have afforded me, nor the wider array of expressive forms, silence, presence, gesture, touch. As an aside, I'm, I'm tempted to argue that we already set off on the wrong path when we 
began to talk about emotions as something to be processed. Not everything's a tragedy. Not everything's a trauma. But when people are constantly attacking each other, it might lead to a feeling of generalized, you know, and, and people are attacking each other over falsehoods. They're, attack, they're attacking each other over virtue signaling, like to appear virtuous, they feel like they must attack this person. They must stand up for this thing, the thing of the day, the two minutes of hate. And who, who generates the edict? Well, it's online. It's just a surge of online influence. This ribbon of hate. Blah! This is the thing to get out there and police today. So, it's been observed that part of the problem with online discourse is that it detaches from an ostensible object of analysis and devolves into discourse about itself. We're going to see a live example of that after I get done reading this. Similarly, emotions detach from their proper object and attach to the discourse and its participants. This may explain the often bizarre disproportionality of emotional expressions online. The policing of others' emotional expressions, such as tone, tone policing, um, which does happen because there's so many ad hominem attacks. This is real. The policing of others' emotional expressions is one sign that the discourse is colonizing our emotional life. Now, colonizing ends up being a loaded term for a lot of people, but I think if I take it from the abstract dictionary de definition, um, the policing of others' emotional ex expressions is a form, it's doing the thing of colonizing. The verb is correct, and, and the meaning is correct from the dictionary position, with no other like architecture or, you know, political inferences, just the word colonizing, what it does based on what the dictionary says. It is true. This, is, this sentence is true. Such policing tends to generate an artificiality, usually negative or critical of emotional expression, and conditions us to avoid certain, usually positive or earnest emotional expressions People are being deterred from emoting positively. Under these conditions, emotional life is stunted, and the range of legible emotions is constricted. Complex or subtle emotional experiences are overwhelmed by the demand for intense and uncomplicated emotional express expressions. Uh, to be blunt and angry is easy to understand. So the gist of the, the above is that our emotional lives tend to be impoverished in an online context. This happens because the temporal rhythms of digital media are inhospitable to achieving a depth of emotional experience and because our emotional expressions are conditioned into a relatively narrow range. So is this anything? Is it helpful? Does it resonate? And then he solicits comments. So that's LM Sacasis with a convivial society, I urge everyone, everyone, everyone to get his substack. He is, he's a great writer and he's done amazing work unpacking um, the subtle impacts of UI and, and 
and the way AI is is transiting our, our emotional and anthropological lines. So he, he's great. Big fan. So I'm going to step over to Twitter. All right, so here's what's going on today. So I see a tweet here, and it says that, that a company, the company claims that they have developed a phone app at analyzing that they can accurately diagnose COVID-19 by anal analyzing the sound of a cough. And this is from the newatlas.com. Pfizer pays almost $120 million for an app that detects COVID from a cough. I think they have the money to do it. Will anybody go with it? I'm not too sure. But it might make a whole bunch of people feel feel better. They're constantly checking. They're just obsessed with COVID. They're still obsessed with COVID. They've been brainwashed into being obsessed with COVID. And COVID shaming is still real. It is still happening in Western Washington academia. So I'm I would open up my Twitter thread this morning, and here's Carl T. Bergstrom. He's uh, one of my, one of the few and favored uh, professors at UW that I, I really respect. You know, I still retain respect for Ryan Kahlo, even though the relationship I think is is somewhat strained. Um, Carl's, Carl Bergstrom is somebody I do respect significantly because he wrote calling uh, the book on calling bullshit on data science. So if you are a data scientist or you inspect data for a living, go get that book. So this biology professor at UW Information Flow and Science and Society, the book Calling Bullshit, he has a link to it on his uh, CT underscore Bergstrom Twitter. So this is the thread. Yesterday, one of my most admired colleagues was hounded off this site for not being sufficiently militant about anti-COVID measures. I'm sad, and I'm quite angry. Again, you know, these are, this is, this is the grist. I'm sad and I'm angry, and I've tried not to write anything until now, but it just keeps roiling in my gut. He was accused of being a hypocrite and a grifter. These are things that are thrown out perpetually hypocrite, grifter, fraud, you're, you're doing it wrong. Um, hypocrite and grifter because he appeared unmasked in a photo with others indoors. The accusers didn't bother to learn that his moderate position is, far from hypocrisy, entirely consistent with his long-running commitment to harm reduction approaches. And this is at masking. We're, we're way past masking here. Maybe some of them see this as a victory. He's too moderate, and it's a win for them to have his voice thrown off the platform. Maybe others see it as acceptable collateral damage necessary to keep rallying the supporters. Maybe it's the thrill of, the, of having the power to point and to shout it's him and watch the mob react. I don't know. And I guess I don't really need to know. What I do know is that there, there is a more brilliant professional epidemiologist, in this case, not an ivory tower type, but rather a man with an unusually history of bold and powerful activism who is no longer on the site.
You may have noticed that I don't post much about COVID here anymore. The occasional public service announcement, the occasional link to the paper. It's because, as my colleague realized, there's no point. The serious discussion isn't taking place here anymore. That makes me sad. So this is a UW professor who's read into most of the COVID doctrinaire. UW is, is a uh, science platform, was first on the receiving end of all things COVID. They got the first cases. They got the first data. They got the first everything. They even got the first, you know, level up of masks and, and everything from the Trump administration once this became an official pandemic. Once there was an outbreak, UW was directly involved, then John Hopkins, then other places. But this was the joint. And they eat their own. They eat their own. So, you know, to, to lament that Twitter has digressed into a, a place where it's become a just nothing but mob sanctions, you know, he, he laments it. He says he's sad. Okay, so watching people gleefully celebrate my colleague's departure made me sad, too. This is a man, and he's not dead. This man isn't dead. He's just not on Twitter. Watching people, people gleefully celebrate my colleague's departure made me sad, too. This is a man whose advocacy for, for an aggressive public health response to COVID resulted in him having to suffer endured endless abuse frequent calls for his firing, and numerous death threats. They eat their own. But now, not because he was a hypocrite, but rather because he lives by the same principles of harm reduction he has espoused since the start, he ended up in the wrong quadrant of the circular firing squad and left. It's not the biggest deal for me. I can still email him, and I'm still around. But his voice is gone from the conversation, and this is the person I have learned an enormous amount from, most of all when I disagreed with him. And so the response is typical. Like there's two linked responses as replies. And this is what was said about this guy who was unnamed. Unnamed. Because if he was named, it probably would have been worse. It says, what is, this person is Jade, what is profoundly unserious of you here is to imply that the disability community has nothing of value to say. Nobody said anything about the disability community. Like, what? <laughs> and the drama you're talking about here made it as a blip across my feed. But what I did and do see regularly is a hell of a community invested in helping each other stay safe in the midst of a eugenics policy. Don't minimize that because some personal squabble many of us didn't even see. It's interesting. And then Teams Caps Lock Chevre Gato says he's not an ivory tower type. He's an in unhinged misogynist who bullies women online if they speak poorly about Yale. That's an archetypal ivory tower type. And I think that's hilarious. Of that whole thread, I think that that is the has the most most value of everything I've, I just read. Because we have an unnamed victim of an unnamed mob assault 
from a UW circular firing squad, a guy who was probably a triple masker and quadruple vaccination mandate double doser with two boosters on top, scoop, scoop. And he's still got, he's still got COVID killed online by Twitter. So you can't win. It's just an outrage factory. <laughs> you cannot win. <laughs> There's no win in this game. Either the algorithm got him, or the communist got him, or the communist algorithm got him. <laughs> he got got. <laughs> His friend, and he's not dead. <laughs> he's just not on Twitter. So, uh, you know, I just, you have to laugh after a certain amount of time because there's a bunch, this goes on constantly. But, you know, Carl is somebody I actually respect. Okay, we've got about five minutes left of this. Go ahead, Joshua, you're the only one in the room today for some reason. I don't know why you and I are hated, but I kind of like it. <laughs> um, but I also learn the most from talking with people. It would, it would be good to know. It would be, it would be good to well, know. I mean, I'm, I, you know what? I, I prefer the passive-aggressive stuff that I can ignore, and then I, I can pretend it doesn't exist. Um, but I do learn the most from not being on Twitter, I think. Um, and I appreciate that you go on there to find this stuff. And also going in a pangborn room like that's that's yeoman's work like i don't know that i can do it um but uh, what is I, yeoman's I call work bullshit on How, what do you call what 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 do you call yeoman's work what is uh, yeoman's work? i don't well work that takes a, a tremendous amount of energy that i don't want to be the oxen for the carton um so I think it gets to like very old symbology there, um, but uh, yeah, surf just, surf symbology like yeoman. That like, is I mean, definitely there's true. emotional energy involved in talking with other humans, and if the energy connection is off, like that's debilitating, or it drains energy. It doesn't lift you up. It brings you back down, right? And the online environment is not a convivial. Hello. You dropped out there, Joshua. I want you to know you may be talking, but you are not being heard. I got a call in the middle of that. It was my landlord. That's that not a call I wanted to take. Um. <laughs> okay. Um, I, uh, so I, I, I'm going to actively solicit the platform like, why is everybody mad? <laughs> what I do? <laughs> well, no, I there were a ton of people in here yesterday. No, I think it's the day and the topic, and everybody is focused on, you know, Cold War 2.0 and what that means for everyone. You know, the, the normal. You know, oh, it's fine. I, it's I could. Fine. I don't know, man. I just, you know, those 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 discussions to me take me back to uh, childhood brinksmanship, and you know, there's just a a, a sudden helplessness like I feel like in a terrestrial hot war there's more ability to deal but when you're dealing with elderly Putin and elderly Biden 
you know, toying with their old bomb threats, they're not at the same level of edge as they were when this threat was live in the 80s. So I, I, I'm terrified. I'm actually really, really terrified that if they, they, they usher in nuke threats at this stage, because Putin's insane. Okay, I'll just, I'll just say it. I don't. There's no They're like. They're all insane. Like the twenty fifth. That's not. They're gonna jump violence. through my windows and choke me. That's not gonna happen in Texas. So I can say that Putin is insane. He's a nut bar, and he should be removed from power. And it is the duty and responsibility of the Russian people to do that, not me, United States citizen who thinks he's batshit. So, um, you know, and, and I don't want to pay money. I don't want to pay the Ukrainian government in a proxy manner to, to, to do the dirty business of, of, you know, four people who have, you know, grinding beefs with him and Hillary Clinton. You follow me? I do unfortunately follow you into this uh, dark matter. Um, But, you know, Pelosi was online today talking about Truman's legacy. And Truman's legacy was the first Cold War. Um, And they rolled out 12.3 billion more for Ukraine, 19 billion for FEMA. FEMA's whole plan for any disaster is shelter in place. And then we come in afterwards and we make a shit ton of money and then we leave. Um, and what by we, not the American people, but corporations make a shit ton of money. It's disaster. We're just chasing disasters. Right. With. We're going from crisis to crisis. Quarterly brinksmanship. Um, but it's it's all for people that we don't care about. I actually called out Nancy Pelosi, uh, but I'm I mean, sure care is relative. Is. I mean, are we interested? Do we have a legitimate national interest? Not really. Okay. We do Biden now that has... that pipeline is gone. Like <laughs> that pipeline didn't kill itself. It didn't kill itself. <laughs> well, I don't. I haven't seen the footage, but I'm pretty sure the prison guard shut off the cameras on the way down in the scuba gear. Um, <laughs> but it, I mean. Even if it wasn't, I just don't want to talk about this. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't want to make anyone feel abandoned. It is. It is morbidly depressing. And like, we don't need to be doing this. Denmark didn't need it, but I don't. I feel utterly helpless. Like it's like watching a train wreck on TV. There's. I, I mean, past the emotions. What is it that I'm being compelled to do? Am I supposed to? pick up a phone and call my congressman and say, hey, tell Biden to stop telling the CIA to blow up the pipelines. It's done. There's nothing to do. It's just a wreck. And so I don't, I don't, ah, you know, I, I don't really feel articulate about it. I'm just kind of in a blobby space where like there's too much atom firing for nothing, for like for no reason. I just read you some trash online happening between scientists, okay? And over COVID, which is this is should this is still happening. I can't believe it. I feel like I'm in 2020. This shit is still happening. It's like live right now, and it should have been done. We should have been out of this pandemic mentally, psychologically, psychically, physically, everything. We should be we should be over it. 
they but it's working for the ruling class. Okay. Well, fuck the ruling class. Hey, Maze, I'm so glad you're here. Ditto. I'm going to pull you into the speaker column, Josh. Whether you like it or not. Okay, and then we're going to take Maze. Hey, Maze, I'm glad you're here. Hello. Welcome to the Unsanctioned Citizen. So we've been talking about, uh, I think the what this became was Web3, blockchain, and the way that identity is traveling, and the way we're going to try to keep ourselves unsanctioned from the current centralized web, okay? And the crap that we're dealing with today is circular firing squad at UW Hospital, or UW Science they're taking each other out. <laughs> they're they're sanctioning themselves from from Twitter. They're kicking scientists off Twitter. It is 2022, and they're still kicking scientists off of Twitter for not for the two minutes of hate of the day. That's what's happening at University of Science at the University of Washington. That's what's happening today. It's stupid. So, and then here comes Josh. He's telling me like. But there's nukes. And, you know, there's nukes and, you know, you've got a hurricane and nukes. There's, the, there's these other crises. There's a poop sandwich waiting for you. Four of them. Come on. <laughs> you know, what did you want to tell us, Mace? Uh, yeah, How can you add to this discussion? I was going to ask what you're talking about and... Uh... Yeah, I have no idea what any of that is, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. So, um, the Nord Stream pipeline was was trashed this week, and the prognosticating, the, the speculation has, has gone wide. Uh, there's the Putin done it. The who done it is that the United States done it so far. But I don't have any proof of such claims. Josh, do you want to answer to any of this? This seems to be your issue. You called in. You're like, hey, let's talk about the blown up pipeline. No, I no, I was talking about my own day, and those things came up. Uh, you were talking about. <laughs> I was just talking. I was uh, just sitting here on your phone talking about my landlord, and then all of a sudden, the stuff about the pipeline came out of my mouth. I just I don't call my me business. Lindsey Graham. Do not call me Lindsey Graham. Have you taken the time to listen to Malala's recent speech? No. I'll let you cover it cause so that we don't have to. Oh, okay. So what's what's the issue with Malala? Oh, I thought you were referencing my show. Oh, there's a show to reference. I thought that's what you meant when you said cover it, because I'm doing a show on it in about... Oh, you're doing a show on it? When is your show? Yeah. It's in about five and a half hours. Mm. Okay, well, thanks for the mention. But, oh, I mean, look at who else is here. It now if you want. She, she My did room's a show full of people all... now. What happened? I'm so glad to see everybody. I'm so glad to see everybody. Um... She did a she did a speech in Hollywood, uh, talking about how um, 
Hollywood doesn't have enough Muslims and Asian people in it. <laughs> well, I mean, they are minorities. I mean, I don't complain about minorities. Like, I don't complain that there are not, not enough Native Americans. I know that there aren't enough. <laughs> but I don't complain. If she well, wants more, she can make more. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a strange thing to go to Hollywood and say... Can you believe only 1% of lead roles are Asians? Like, uh, you do realize you're not in Asia right now, so that shouldn't surprise you. <laughs> right. Maybe if you went to Asia and the and audience is. Of them were Asian, then that'd be weird. If you go to America and there aren't many Asians, that's very normal. I mean, if there's. They don't have any concept of proportionality, I think, in communist Hollywood. They they think that everything and all things are what what the equivalency equity bandwagon. You can't just make all the people be the same overnight, and all people are not the same. But if you say that, heresy. And that's why I have this show, The Unsanctioned Citizen, so I can say such things. I can say such larcenous, terrible things which are true on my show and, and it's basic it's not it's not crazy it's just basic um, it's not racist to say that there are less of one race in the population than another race and that be absolutely true that's just facts and reality would anybody else like to solve that anyone so I'm inviting you know, I'm inviting someone to challenge the, the, the assertion that I just made. If no one has any assertions, then I'm going to presume, I'm going to presume that there's, there's at least, you know, this is tacit passing, you know, that, that there will be a majority population and a minority population. And, you know, I'm okay with being a minority population because I'm a minority population. I don't think that always has to be the case. If you, surely you can uh, imagine a society where there are no minority groups. I I think that those those I think of like Britain, like most places, or, or not even Britain because they're really they've they've got a lot of integration, so they've got some minority groups in there. Um, where in the world is, uh, it, well, is not, it perfectly not, homogenous no, where no, there's that no... Wasn't what I said. I, I'm not saying it exists. I'm saying you can imagine it, meaning it could happen. Well, I don't... I, I just... I, if I... I'm not busy imagining this because I think it's, an, it's a non-realistic -re outcome. Is race a construct like, that is used to really divide us? I mean... Who is of any purity at this point? Yeah, and and I don't I don't think it's a useful concept because when I run into new people, it's not it's not top of mind. I mean, uh, when I run into new people, America's always been um, a globular melting pot of different peoples, and um, people are really looking for ways. When I meet a new strange person, I'm looking for ways to relate to them. I'm looking for things that we have in common. I'm looking for ways to 
perhaps, you know, I like your coffee. What kind of coffee are you drinking? I like coffee. Wow, you sound disgustingly friendly. I'm sorry. <laughs> I try. I try. And you know when what? I meet I'm, new people, but I'm I have discovered every... something. Oh, oh go yeah. ahead, Mace. I wanted to hear what you had to say. Uh, I'm looking for every reason to hate on that new person. Why? I don't like strangers. That is a very important piece of information for you to give to me because I have been that, that strange person in so many cases and I have never understood, you know, if I don't if I didn't do anything wrong, why does this person hate me? And so I just try to get over it quick and just be a good friend. But um <clears throat> sometimes people just they just are threatened by new friendly people and you just explained that to me so perfectly I thank you for that but people are strange according to Jim Morrison like we're all strange we're all mad here Mace well I mean I'm not here to I realize the other lesson this week that I've carried and it's it's a big one is that judgment is not as useful as I thought it was To, to be to be judgy and infinitely judgy of others is not as useful as I thought it would be. Because I think relating to people and having friends is really important. And if you can make a friend, it's better to make a friend than break a friend. Because there's a lot of broken relationships over nothing, nothing, nothing. I mean, I'm just, I'm just watching it. Just People are just falling away from others. And it's causing vast brokenness and mental illness. Because people don't have the relationships that they used to have. You know, they went online and they thought that they were going to get better relationships, and they got worse. So, um, so with that, does anybody else want to jump up here and talk before I wrap up the show? Because today is today. Oh, you've only been going forty-five minutes. Yeah, I know. I know. I never get out of here on time. <laughs> I invite you to speak, thanks. Okay. Okay, I'm going to make you the next caller, William. What's your last word, William? What's going on? I hear you, Sheila. Can you hear me? Oh, absolutely. You're you're loud and proud, sir. And I hear what you were saying regarding, um, you know, the Nord Stream 1 and 2 and the insanity in the world and also the whole COVID thing. I'm a little lost on, I don't know. If that's relevant, do you want me to discuss those issues at all? Or yeah, I mean that's 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 what we've been talking about. Um, but you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to open it up. It's a, it's an issues mix. Okay, I had I suggested cool. three topics, but it, it really is kind of open, and and that's what we've been talking about. Thanks. I wanted to be sensitive to it because I know you know I want to be relevant. So oh, good, thank good. Thank you for 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 being sensitive and relevant. Yeah. Well, obviously. There's been a lot of discussion, and that's all we can do is speculate on Nord Stream 1 and 2, and who done it? See, that's all we have is speculation. It drives me crazy. I mean, I know what I think, because of what Biden said, if tanks roll in from Russia to Ukraine, we're going to take out Nord Stream. He said it, right? Did you hear that? I didn't, but here's what I know. I know that Denmark screwed for, for, for... gas and mm-hmm. natural gas and Germany is also screwed for natural gas and the environment yeah. is screwed because of natural gas that's what right. I know well 
Um, I watched the Lee Camp piece, and that's how I learned, you know, about what Biden, he played a clip of Biden, and I'm not certain when Biden said that. I, it seemed like he said it before the tanks rolled in, but that was what the accusation would be. Uh, uh, you know, so that's some, uh, mm, let's say, witness statement kind of evidence, you know, if you kind of look at it that way. It's been already postulated by our president. So that's something to think about. And then I understand there's a pipeline that opened up uh, that Poland's involved in and Denmark, or I believe, the same day that they this Nord Stream 1 and 2 were blown up. Did you hear about that? Uh, about Nord Stream 1 and 2 being blown up? I think it's... Yeah, but also news. there's, on the same day, a pipeline uh, opened up that they've been constructing. They, they opened the valves that runs, uh, has something to do with Poland and Denmark, from what I understand. I don't know the particulars. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about that. I've got yeah, to check it out. Yeah, I don't yeah. know anything about that. I think it was Jackson Hinkle was citing, I was listening to Jackson Hinkle, and I think I, I, you know, there wasn't any great detail about it, you know what I mean? But right. um, that's something to consider. And then, I know, uh, tell me what time frame we have. I don't know if we have five well, minutes. Well, I mean, your do. last word, your last okay. word, so. All right, so something to consider that people haven't maybe thought about is there was a Nobel Prize winning scientist regarding the COVID matter called Carrie Mullen, Mullis. That's K-A-R-R-Y M-U-L-L-I-S. He is the actual one who invented the PCR test originally. Mm-hmm. And he won a Nobel Prize. And there's video on him you can find. Did um, I say a Nobel Prize, I think, or a Pulitzer Prize? You, Pulitzer's you, for journalism, and, and I think it is a Nobel Prize for... Yeah, well, we were speaking yesterday about ivermectin, and you, you, you know, there's a lot of things keep between our ears, right? You mentioned Pulitzer, and I said, well, that actually that was a Nobel Prize. It was a Nobel Prize, and I, I caught that, and I'm so glad we're discussing that now because it's it's huh? it's really bad for me to call a Nobel Prize a Pulitzer. You know who else did made the same mistake? Was Jimmy Dore? I heard him make the exact same mistake. We're overwhelmed, oh my God. aren't we? <laughs> you know, you're, too many you're, college you're, shows. No, he actually did it on his YouTube. He was talking about it. And oh, no one... my God. Yeah. I because... feel better now. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, we're so, aren't we so overwhelmed with that? I mean, we're in the... Do you remember the movie Shawshank Redemption? Did you ever see that? Yeah, I did. Remember when the old-timer gets out of prison and he tries to work as a bagger? Remember the old man who'd been in prison for decades? Um, he gets out of prison and he tries to get a job and fit into modern <clears throat> culture at the time? Drove him nuts. You know what I mean? The input and the everything. And Brooks. (laughs) Unfortunately, in the movie, committed suicide. There's also a great um, Twilight Zone episode on that, where they take a a man from um, like a tribal culture and they insert him into modern culture at the time, which is decades ago, Twilight Zone. And it drives him absolutely crazy. You know what I mean? And so this is what we're dealing with on a regular basis, which is frying our brains. I mean, you know, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot, but, you know, you got to try to be sharp and try to yeah. stay on top of all the details. And I'm glad I remembered. I'm glad I remembered enough to, to say Nobel versus um, Pulitzer. Pulitzer. Pulitzer for journalism. I caught it afterwards when I was – thinking about it in my day yesterday but i'm glad i had an opportunity to to change that up with you guys so um william if you have do you have any other wrapping remarks well um consider 
researching Carrie Mullis. Carrie Mullis. Uh, yep. That's a K-A-R-R-Y, unusual spelling, Mullis, the original inventor of the PCR test. And there's, I, I you know, I use other search engines other than Google, I, and I find the information I want on Yandex and or Brave. Just, I'm not recommending anything. I'm just saying that's where I find it. You know what I mean? So there's a bit shoot video of Carrie Mullis speaking on the PCR test. And also, on, uh, uh, if you were to search Carrie Mullis versus Fauci, you'll see one there that'll, let me just say he rips into Fauci. I mean, rips into him. Now, Carrie Mullis died in 2019. He was in his 70s of pneumonia, as it said. But those videos are available. And I think maybe um, a couple, well, today's Friday. Maybe if you have a chance to watch them, I can call in again. We could, if you'd like, we can discuss them. I don't well, know if you I want. Well, I mean, you'll have an opportunity to drop the content in the uh, the comments section after the episode wraps. <clears throat> oh, oh, after. And, oh, and okay. you're invited to do so. Oh, right, so well. after it goes to publishing, then I could drop. Okay, I didn't know that. Or you could do it now, but but I'll try. It's afterwards usually. All right, guys, I'm out of time, so thank you no, for attending. You, you can go on another couple of hours. No, no, yeah, it's been a good room. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access unsanctioned citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic iHeartRadio podcasts and call in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.